0: Held in along the boards, Andrew Lapp, checked by Cobra. Campbell holds the puck into the line, turns, won't shoot. Kane, watched by Kimo Timonen to the net, no! No! and he stopped it. Where's the puck, it came loose on the other That's side, it's it. over.
1: Patrick Kane has scored the goal. The Chicago Blackhawks' long drought is over. For the first time since
0: 1961, the Chicago Blackhawks have won
2: the Stanley Cup.
3: Whether it's assisting Patrick Kane to win the 2010 Stanley Cup or working for the business and operations team for the Blackhawks, Brian Campbell continues to build his legendary legacy in the Chicago community. Join us on this episode of Market Side Chats as Cord Callahan, Sean McNamara, Jack Boyd, and me, Eric Lane, sit down with Brian Campbell to get his unique perspective on investing in an early age and professional business habits, while also touching on what it's like to raise the Stanley Cup after assisting on the game-winning goal that established a dynasty. You're listening to the newest market side Chat.
0: without further ado, we couldn't be more excited to have such a special guest on our third podcast in our series Market Side Chats. Today we are welcoming onto the show former NHL player, Stanley Cup champion of the Chicago Blackhawks, Brian Campbell. Brian, welcome to the show.
4: Thanks, guys. I appreciate uh, the invite.
0: So, Brian, I know that you know, you've know you been a longtime player in the NHL for, for quite a bit. Now you've kind of morphed into more of a front office role. But, you know, starting back from the beginning, you know, h- how was the entrance like for you going into hockey? Did you start in high school or?
4: Yeah, I was still in high school, actually, and um, playing juniors at that time. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how it works. And then you, uh, at 20, I would sign professionally Okay. Um, to go play um, yeah. in the NHL.
0: Yeah. Um, so was there anything that you kind of instilled uh, financially wise values, whether it be personal or investing um, in yourself at a young age?
4: Well, as an athlete, usually the how it works, you know, obviously you're going to make your money earlier on in your life, um, in your in your stages, you know, from, say, your 20s, maybe if you're lucky enough to play longer into your 30s. And then after that, it's kind of, uh, a situation where, you know, yeah, you might be making money, but you won't be making the money that you were making at that time. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a a nerve wracking situation a little bit, uh, for it, because you just can't, uh, you know, you have to find ways to be cautious with it early on, uh, knowing that, um. You know, you're not going to make that money back, uh, or or that amount of money later on in in your life. So I think that's kind of the first thing that I kind of ingrained in my in my head and, and figure figured out. Um, and then it's just kind of educating yourself. You know, I didn't go to college. I didn't have that kind of education. I went, you know, straight from basically high school right to the pros. And uh, so a lot of times you got to figure things out a little bit on your own and, and listen to other people and kind of pick other people's brains. So for me, I kind of try to do that as much as possible. Obviously, made my, made my mistakes along the way as well,
0: mm-hmm.
4: um, which you which you hate making. But you know, sometimes it's, it's a good thing, and you learn from those mistakes as well. Yeah, In uh, going down the road, but um, you know, I think that's the biggest thing for athletes and and and, and guys is the, the money comes you know comes in at the start, and then you know it can dry up, and you know especially now into my Retired life, and obviously I'm working for the Blackhawks, but I'm not making the money that I made while I was playing. Um, you know, it's just, uh, and then you bring in the in kids and everything else. You just have to be uh, a little bit uh, uh, frugal early on and in, uh, in protecting yourself.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I know you mentioned that um, you know you kind of spent some time you know picking the brains of of some of the other athletes that you played with early on in your career. So did they give any uh, valuable insight to you pertaining to, you know, finance, whether it be personal or the markets?
4: Um, you know, like, I think for, for me, it's just, it was kind of amazing. You know, I still remember it. I was playing uh, in the minors right at the start. The guys were talking about stocks and stock market and, and you know, reading the newspapers and, and articles. And, yeah. and I think I was just like, whoa, this is kind of... You know, this is crazy. All these guys are like they must—they must be incredibly smart. Yeah. Um, you know whether they knew what they were talking about or they didn't know what they were talking about, they were still educating themselves and still kind of paying attention on it and still trying to learn from. You know whether they use the financial advisor or not and using those uh, advisors to try to learn. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. I would like to try to educate myself as much as I can. Uh, you know, and read articles and ask questions, because I think, you know, you can never obviously, as you guys know, ask enough questions out there to, to keep expanding what you're learning about. And then I think the other things is like, you know, I, I didn't know anything. And they're like, oh, they're, they have a 401k program. I'm like, well, what's that? You know, it's uh, it's for retirement. I'm like, okay, uh, you know, I guess I'll do that. So, I, you know, I would invest in, in a 401k program, and then you ask other guys, Similar in age to you, you know, are you invested in that? And they're like, no, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't need to, or I don't, uh, I don't want to lose my money that way. Or, you know, there's just so many different things and angles going around. I'm like, okay, you know, I want the extra money now. But, you know, for my mindset, it was like, I want the extra money when I'm, you know, 50 years old. And, and, uh, and, or I guess at that point for 401k, it's, you know, in your 60s. So I want the money for that. And, and I've always had the the thing in my head where I wanted to live my lifestyle and I wanted to have my curve keep rising and, and going up and, and not be uh, living the big life and then, you know, having to taper it off when when I did retire.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um. So, Brian, I know a lot, like recently, a lot of players, I think it's kind of a growing movement of kind of being in control of your personal finances after... You know, like certain documentaries have come out about, like, uh, for example, the NFL, a lot of players will, you know, just go bankrupt right after they retire. Was that something that, like, coaches and people, like, in juniors were telling you about, like, being in control of your personal finances? Or was that something you kind of had to um, take control of yourself?
4: Yeah, not definitely not in juniors because juniors, you know, the percentage of players that go on and make money are, are very slim. Definitely. Um, for me, it was, uh and then in the pros, you know, nobody's nobody's really helping you along the way, and mm-hmm. you know, it'd be kind of a nice, you know for today's players, is like, okay here's, you know it, there's just so many people coming at you you know, and meeting you on the road and oh, you want to have oh, breakfast absolutely. and everything it, was, it would almost be better if it was you know, as a player union, they simplify it for players, and it was almost like, hey, you know, you're going to go into a two or three, you know, investors and aspects, ones that have had, you know, obviously pretty long standing, and, you know, they can, uh, the NHLPA could kind of obviously pick the people they felt that they would be most comfortable with and knew how to invest for athletes. Because the way you invest for me, you know, especially now, the way I invest compared to person that's still making money, like, I don't want to, I'm not trying to hit, I'm not trying to hit home runs, you know, I'm Mm. trying to hit singles and maybe the odd double and and figuring it out that way. So I think that's kind of almost, you know, for, for a hockey player, that's kind of, you know, the thing, the money's coming in. It's just, you got to figure out ways to invest and, You know, I think there's there's always something that could be done better for it, and I think players there's just so many things coming at you, and the first thing you want to do is you want to worry about hockey and not all this other stuff.
2: Yeah, definitely. Brian, obviously, you're you're still with the Blackhawks right now. Did you always envision yourself um, working in the hockey world after retirement, or did that something that came about naturally?
4: Uh, A little bit of both, I think. I think it's kind of obviously it's what I know, it's what I. on my whole life um i've really enjoyed it i enjoy learning um i'm doing a lot of uh, player development work for the blackhawks so basically i'm helping um players in their minor league system which is in rockford uh, illinois um going there working with the defenseman there kind of just trying to hopefully hopefully i always say you know maybe i made a lot of steps to get to the NHL and hopefully I can take a few of those steps out or make those steps a little bit quicker for them to, to get them moving moving along a little bit faster and playing the NHL and, and helping out the Blackhawks so um did I ever see I think there's other aspects that you know I've always been interested in but I think this is uh the, the path that I've kind of really enjoyed and try to you know find people to talk to and and listen to and learn from and and hopefully keep growing and growing myself in the organization
3: yeah so kind of like getting into your hockey career a little bit um, you've obviously been a part of like a ton of incredible teams over your what is it 17 year career um, so I'm just kind of curious what are your what are some of your favorite memories of those teams and uh, some of the, some of your favorite memories uh, from your teammates I guess
4: yeah I think you know obviously the one that stands out is the Stanley Cup in Chicago in 2010 that's always gonna be the number one just absolutely. Because you reach a pin- you reach a pinnacle with a, a group of guys there's no better feeling out there i think it's uh you know you look at winning a golf major or whatever and, and, and yeah it's great but you know it's kind of you and your caddy i guess or you by yourself yeah, i yeah. think you know in a, in a team sport to do that is is pretty incredible and and to get to that uh that era and, and that time is just uh for for a city that was desperate for a championship after 49 years and just is uh, something that we'll never forget. Um, I also played on a really couple of really good teams in Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo is a great city, a great sports Absolutely. town. Um, so I think they were, you know, I just it's kind of the one regret, you know, it was a great, great seasons in Buffalo, but a regret that we didn't ever win uh, a Stanley Cup there.
1: Yeah, definitely, Brian. So I, I'm from Chicago, and I remember growing up and watching uh, those teams with uh, you and Taze and Kane and all you know the rest. Um, and you know, kind of specifically uh, getting ready for this podcast, I was thinking about uh, the 2010 Stanley Cup, of course, and uh, Game Six in that overtime goal that you had the assist on. And um, I was just wondering, kind of like uh, you know, remembering back to that play, if you can even remember it. Um, like what? you were kind of thinking about as that puck uh, went in and kind of the commotion afterwards where people didn't exactly know whether it went in or not. I was kind of wondering um, what your mindset was like going through that.
4: Yeah, definitely, um, you know, an overtime game. Um, kind of crazy, Stanley Cup playoffs. It's, uh, it's definitely nerve-wracking. It's definitely, uh, um, the intensity is very high. Um, you know, for me, it was just at that point, I didn't hold, you know, remember a whole lot of it. Um, you know, you kind of remember what happened, but you don't uh, remember the ins and outs of it all until a few days later. So, um, you know, I, I still remember somebody said, uh, i was signing a puck. Uh, somebody like, can you write game winning goal, uh, Stanley or game winning assist?" Sorry. (laughs) Uh, See, like, at final, I was like, who, what, why? I was like, because you passed it to him. I was like, I had no clue. I was just, like, (laughs) completely uh, blacked out of the whole situation and just was like, you know, a that didn't mean too much to me. It meant that we won as a team, which is great. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But you know the fact that I barely remember that it was it was kind of crazy. But you know, and then when Patrick scored and nobody knowing that it went in, and I definitely didn't know that it went in, other guys did. Oh yeah. Um, well, he was, was the only of, he was uh, the
1: only one who did for a little bit. There you can tell.
4: Yeah, there's a few, maybe the odd other person that knew, but obviously yeah. the coaches didn't know. A kind ton of players didn't know. Um,
1: yeah, it was you know, in I, Philadelphia, I, I, I think, so they all, like, everyone in there hopes it didn't go in, and then, yeah.
4: Yeah, no. exactly, so there's no reaction, no fan was gonna be like, even if they thought go in, they weren't gonna be cheering yeah. or anything. <laughs> so, I, I always say, I always say, shame on all of us for not believing in uh, Patrick Kane, <laughs> knowing that the puck went in yeah, yeah. in the net or not, so.
1: That was kind of a, a little bit of the start of, the, like, the legend of Patrick Kane, you know?
4: For sure, you know, I think, You know, you look at a guy like him, and you know he just kept growing. He's just, you know, the biggest thing. It's like whatever, from whatever you do in life, it's working on your craft. You know, whether you're, I'm sure you guys are working at your craft every single day, trying to get better and trying to learn and and keep seeing what else is out there and keep networking. It's basically what he does every single day. You know, of the year, he gets up in the morning and he wants to be better and, and, and he works on his craft. And I think it's, it's really incredible what he's done, what he continues to do. And, um, you know, got to know him even more over the years and and have a lot of respect for him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of going, uh, back to that, um, you know, you playing with Kane, um, when he's a lot younger in his career, um, along with Taze and all you guys were a lot younger in, in 2010, Um, I guess uh, what I would be really interested to know about is kind of how um, the team's mindset kind of shifted gradually throughout the season.
4: Yeah, for sure. I think there's a couple points throughout the season. One was uh, we signed Marion Hossa the summer prior, and he was uh, with a shoulder injury for probably the first 40 some odd games of the season. And when he came back, we were playing a game in San Jose. And we knew how good he was. We didn't know how great he was. In uh, that game, he scored two goals, and it kind of completed our team. We're like, holy, man, we got a good team going on right now. And, and we just added this guy. Um, and it's kind of like you kind of forget about him at that point. You know, 20 games into the season, you're grinding away, win and All of a sudden, he jumps on your squad, and you're like, wow. Um, it really fits into our lineup. So there's that. Um, Nashville, we played Nashville in first round. Um, we we're down, um, it was game five and we were down, um, with maybe less than a uh, minute, minute and a half left in, in the, uh, in the game. Uh, we were down, I think it was three, two and mm. uh, ironically Hosta was in the penalty box and yeah. we scored a, uh, Patrick King again, scored a over, uh, sorry, a shorthanded game tying goal,
1: which, yeah. Remember uh,
4: that. Yeah, which is almost unheard of for a guy, like, you know, in a playoff game to short, you know, when a team knows they have the lead to to find a way to score a a game-time shorthanded goal. It's probably, i have to look in the the record books. It's probably got to be one of the only ones. And then when we won in overtime that game um, to go on, it was kind of almost like, it was like, okay, you know, let's wake up here a little bit. We were a little bit sluggish in the first round. And now that we're getting past these guys, we're gonna we're gonna go win this whole thing. And I think right from there is just we, we had a certain belief every time we we got on the ice and in every series that we're gonna take control and and, and find ways to win. So um, you know, just kind of snowballs from there. Once one guy's kind of feeling it, then it kind of just resonates to the next guy down the line. So um, definitely an incredible uh, few months.
0: So, how has your mindsets kind of adjusted during that time period as you progress through the playoffs?
4: Well, a lot of guys get on schedules, and you already have your routines and schedules set up, and you, you kind of you have the same thing that you kind of do throughout the regular season, and and obviously it doesn't change in the playoffs. Um, we had a we always had these uh, a room or a ballroom in the hotel on the road. You know, we love being on the road because we had this a uh, room where we would watch had some coaches in there and snacks and food and we have all our meals in there
3: yeah
4: and uh we had uh, mario Kart set up on a few tvs oh, for nice. the guys to play some video games <laughs> so it's basically you get to the hotel and you like put on some comfy clothes and, and slippers and you head down to this room and, and you watch hockey down there and you basically are there if you're not you know at practice you're basically there all day long um you know, hanging around the guys. And I think, you know, we, we loved that part so much that it was just like, Hey, let's keep going. We don't want to end this. We're having such a, you know, a blast with each other and laughing and joking and, and some jabs at each other that it felt like that really kind of kept us bonding together um, through, throughout the whole run. So uh, I think it's important, you know, that uh, you, you get a group of guys that care for each other and, and want to see that that's what that's what championship teams are made out of
2: yeah so you know obviously in every organization there's two sides the front office and the actual locker room um so while you're working the front office are you able to spend more time or some time with the guys in the locker room or are you just really on the road working on development
4: um you know i yeah i don't see the the i don't do much with the the big team in Chicago, mm-hmm. obviously I still keep in contact with guys that i played with and, and talk to them and kind of learn from them and still kind of, you know, there's different views what players have kind of from management. Mm-hmm. And it's good to have kind of a pulse on what they're feeling and, and thinking as well. Um, in Rockford, uh, with the Miley team, just kind of knowing the personalities of some of these guys that are, are hopefully going to play for the Blackhawks has, has been a great thing to learn and to see what kind of makes them tick, what makes them, you know, when they do are going through struggles, how do they get out of the struggles and and learning aspects of that to to hopefully kind of pass on to the, you know, the management, the coaching staff to see what kind of, you know, helps that player along. So I think there's all those aspects that you got to be aware of with players. Such a different dynamic than what it was when I first started in the league. Nobody, nobody kind of, was worried about what the player felt like. It was like, you know, it was obviously more of a, uh, you know, you didn't really talk to the coaches. You didn't go near them. You just sat there and listened and, and you better play good kind of thing. So think now the the evolution and as you guys know, the evolution of people it's changed and, and how you deal with certain situations and how you deal with people. And I think we, you know, it's, you know, we're, we're always trying to evolve that as a, uh, a community of cities as as we know what's going on today and how we can be better and, and communicate better to, to get the best out of each and everybody so i think it's the same thing with hockey it's kind of changed that way so um, just trying to figure out ways and then add my kind of two cents in what i'm asked to and and and, and help the team and, and help our our general manager out anyway and um, it, it's been uh it's been interesting to see kind of as a player, you're, you're only kind of concentrating on one thing, and now you're kind of seeing the whole dynamics and all the staff that goes into to making this, this team run and defining the right players.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, one of the things that I'm kind of interested in is, you know, how your skill set that you developed over your playing career um, might have yeah. transferred over into the front office.
4: Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I'm learning right now is patience. I think it's like the it's hardest thing to talk. And it's, you know, for a for a player, and even if you, you know, obviously in the business world, it's not, you can't expect changes and things It sometimes doesn't take week to week. It, it takes months and sometimes three, four months. I think that's the biggest thing that I'm trying to learn is patience with players and and to try to, you know, have a, an eye on, you know, how these players develop and, and their age and, t- and obviously other guys change and they develop at different times. And, I think that's the biggest thing that i'm trying to learn right now is uh just that it, it takes time and, and players develop at different uh, speeds and um you know for me i think it, it took me a while so i gotta gotta kind of try to understand that part of it better and be more patient um playing wise I, I still say you know the fact that i played the game there's things that i understand with players that some people don't understand and, and it's it's almost it's very hard for some people to, yeah. to understand what players are going through, what they're feeling, how they're feeling, how they're feeling towards the coach, um, you know, certain situations, what a, what a makeup of a locker room takes to be successful. It's something that I have as a player that nobody, you know, unless you played the game, you, you really can't experience and, and understand, or unless you've coached the game, you can't really understand you know, what that makeup is. And, and, you know, I think that's a strong suit for me that I have and that I can bring in and help, um, our organization out.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, so kind of shifting to hockey today, obviously the NHL is back after that huge break from the whole pandemic. Um, I'm kind of curious to see, to know your perspective on how the whole bubble is working out and, um, yeah, it's kind of your thoughts on that.
4: Well, it seems like it's working out really good. Um, you know, I've talked to a few people that have been in the bubble, and um, it obviously, you know, you feel the safe, secure part, nothing's going on. I'm sure it's extremely difficult playing without any fans. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen that and heard that from players. I'm sure it's extremely difficult to get the intensity going. That's why I really feel like a team that has a lot of characters and uh, the closeness, close-knit group that we talked about is really going to yeah. have to push each other to get better and get the most out of guys. Um, so there's that aspect that I find is, has been very um, interesting, you know, kind of with the bubble. Um, and then again, I'm sure from what I hear, it's hard. You know, you're you're in this place and um, you're locked in this bubble away from family, away from friends. Um, you know, that's not easy either. So, um, so that's the, that's a hard part for, for these guys that some people, you know, the regular fans don't think about, you know, that people are locked in this bubble and away from everybody and their family and friends and, and whether you have kids and, and, uh, so on, it's, uh, it's not that easy either to be gone that long.
1: Yeah. So obviously, you know, we've been talking about what's going on inside the bubble, but there's obviously a lot going on outside the bubble and doing a sports podcast. Um, we definitely be remiss not to talk about the uh, current social state that we are uh, living in today. So Brian, I was just wondering if you had any comments uh, regarding what's been going on, um, you know, in America and all over the world and, um, you know, just from a player's perspective.
4: Yeah. It's, um, You know, it's great to see, I think, um, you know, I think there's always things and you always need to be talking more and learning more. And I think, you know, that's what, um, as a community and as a world and country, we need to keep learning and educating ourselves more. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, I think it's like, you got to ask questions, you know, how are you doing today? How are you feeling? You know, it's, you know, it's, it's good to ask questions to people and, and, learn about, you know, them more or whoever it is that you're talking about, learning about, you know, how they grew up or how, you know, they feel certain situations and educate yourself. And, you know, I think um, we all can do a better job at spending more time and slowing our lives down a little bit to to learn about any individual it is. And, you know, whether it's even in your family, being a little bit more, um, patient and slowing your family down and learning about that and educating them and talking to them. So, um, obviously it's, um, it's something that we all as a whole world and obviously as a country, we need to be better at mm-hmm. and, uh, understanding yeah. each and every uh, individual out there.
0: So Brian, what was your schedule like when you were playing professionally in hockey?
4: Yeah. It's, um, as you say, it starts as soon as you wake up, basically. So, you know, for us, if we're on the road, it's it's wake up. and Usually there's a, a breakfast um, set up for, for all the players in a room. You, you go uh, down there, have that, and then there's always a, a bus to the rink. Um, I was always kind of a guy that would want to get to the rink earlier. So I would usually just jump in. Uh, a cab or an uber and head over to the rink for uh 11 uh, 11 30 skate yeah. so uh, i guess a bus would probably get there around 10 30 you know i might get there at uh 9 30 um mm. kind of get uh, my stuff out of the way and kind of get prepared and and getting the body ready um skates are usually they're very quick usually a free game skate is you know usually 25 minutes maybe. And then you kind of have some time after to do some things. And and then you go back and you know, bust bus back to a hotel and eat a, eat a big meal. Uh, another meal is kind of taking care of you and set up for you. Um, and then a lot of the guys will sleep. Um, mm. You know, I'll even go back to my room do some visualization kind of think about the game that night and yeah. making sure I'm relaxed and ready to go. Um, so I would usually do that um, and then uh, try to take a, a nap. Um, game six, Stanley Cup final, not not easy to take a nap because yeah, you're a little excited close, for the game, but yeah. uh, sometimes you feel it's a little bit easier to take a nap during a regular season game and then back on to, um, you know, heading heading to a game. Usually there's a bus that leaves It gets you there a couple hours before the game and. Once again, I'm kind of an earlier guy, so I'd always get there earlier. And and then it's just getting prepared. Usually have uh, some meetings, um, some five-on-five meetings, some power-play meetings to go over the game. And and then it's basically uh, get ready and get warmed up and get ready to uh, to get to work and get out on the ice. So um, that's the thing. You're you're in and out. Usually right after games, you're out of there, out of that city and uh, the bus heads right to the airport and you jump on a, mm. a, a plane and head wherever it is, whether it's your next, uh, uh, place on the road or back to Chicago. So it's, it's, um, you know, you're in and out of these cities a lot, real quick compared to like uh, a baseball where you're in there for four, four days at a time or three days at a time. So, um, you know, everything's kind of taken care of, care for you uh, and set up for you. It's kind of, you're very spoiled. I will say that, but, uh, <laughs> You definitely miss
1: that aspect of it But yeah. uh, it's kind of a game day routine Yeah, so Brian, um, getting ready for the uh, podcast today We were, were watching um a video of you bringing the Stanley Cup back to your hometown And uh just kind of having a day with the Stanley Cup What was that like to uh bring it back to your hometown and with your family and all that? And uh, you got to see Alice Cooper and go on stage How was that experience like?
4: <laughs> yeah, my... It was great. I think the whole thing is, is great. And I think it's more, it's more so for your, your family and stuff. My my parents, they see their kind of a joy on their eyes and, and their faces is, is definitely good. So, um, I think it, the whole day, it's, it's a little exhausting. I will say that. Yeah. It's always, like a long you know, day for sure. <laughs> it is a long day and you got to be on point with everybody and you're trying to, you know, I did some charity stuff and then, mm-hmm the Alice Cooper thing he was playing and there's, that was kind of a charity involved. So they asked me if I would bring it there and obviously I would Yeah. I would. Um, so there's many different things that go into it, but it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, I always said, if I ever get another chance to, to win a Stanley cup, I, I think I might just put it in my backyard, set it up on the table and, and
1: not leave and Absolutely. sit there the whole day. Yeah. Let like, <laughs> uh, them come to you. <laughs> you know, you
4: try to try to please everybody and yeah, let everybody come to you and just kind of sit there and, and not worry about a thing, but it's definitely, um, something that, you know, my family, friends, um, and myself, uh, never forget. And, and my, my wife as well. So it's, a, it was just, uh, just a blast to be able to bring that to my community.
2: Yeah. Can only imagine. Well, uh, Brian, uh, just kind of to wrap everything up, you know, here on the market side chats, uh, we always give our guests an opportunity at the end of the show to, you know, give a shout out or uh, talk about anyone that really helped them get to where they were in their career. Obviously, you're doing a lot for other players now, but when you were younger, was there anyone or any organization that really impacted you?
4: Yeah, I think you have a lot of guys that have helped you along the way. Um, I look at that guys I looked up to. I, I had, obviously, it starts with your family and my parents and, and my dad just kind of, you know, throughout the years and, and, you know, being the kind of mentor that you want. And then you kind of move on to start playing in the NHL. I had a couple of really good guys and, and um, James Patrick, uh, played a long time in the NHL, played for the Rangers for a long, for a while. Uh, he was really good. I had a, a teammate that kind of took me under his wing a little bit in Rhett Warner when I played in Buffalo. So. There's a number of those guys. I think it kind of starts earlier on in, in your career, and, and then as your afterlife, you know, I think it's there's you know there's more guys that you talk to and, and learn from each and every day. That uh, I think you can never stop asking questions uh, to people and and keep trying to learn and and, um, and people to look up to along the way.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for that. All right, so once again, this was, has been Brian Gamble on uh, the Market Side Chats. Brian, thanks so much for joining yeah, us. Absolutely. Thanks, Brian. Hey, Thank appreciate you so much. You guys. Yeah.
4: Thanks for having me, and uh, good luck to you guys.
2: Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Absolutely. You Take too. care.